I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, Episode 46. Welcome to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. Season 8 is all about the stuff of homeschooling and how to deal with it cheerfully and sanely. How can we manage the stuff that goes with homeschooling as well as our expectations about what our home and our work should look like? Homeschooling without a schoolroom. It is possible. We've been homeschooling for 10 years without a schoolroom. And It's not because of lack of space. If I really thought we needed it, I could rearrange. I could turn our dining room into a schoolroom. I could turn the playroom into a schoolroom. I could turn the nook off the kitchen into a schoolroom. I could, but I don't. Not only do I want to use those spaces differently, I prefer our home to not have a dedicated school space. I prefer our home to be, well, homey and hospitable, without a hack timeline on the dining room wall. I love that our home atmosphere, with its lack of a schoolish sort of room, communicates that learning is a part of normal life. It's not something to cordon off into a separate area. It weaves into our everyday. The only thing that announces to the world that we homeschool is that every room of our house is overrun with books. What we need is adequate storage and good habits to make homeschooling work without a schoolroom. So, like many homeschoolers, the kitchen table is where most of our work happens. We use our kitchen table, we use a dining room table, we use the couch, and we make do with the spaces that we have. The truth is, I'd rather have a playroom than a schoolroom, a place for toddlers and preschoolers to freely set up a block city complete with railroad tracks a place for the air hockey table we inherited, a place for computers that are used both for work and play. Our house layout doesn't have the space for both a playroom and a schoolroom. We have space for two tables on the main level, and rather than making the dining room or the kitchen eat-in area a bona fide schoolroom and open to the other living areas, I'd rather have them be flexible and versatile without schoolish clutter. So, it's a matter of the space available and our preferences for how to use it in our own homes. If you have a room that works set aside for school stuff, more power to you. If you don't, I want to share strategies for making it work without feeling like the school stuff is ruling your house. It's all a matter of using the space you have in a way that fits your family and your patterns. Whether you have a dedicated schoolroom or not, the most important feature of where school happens is the writing surface. Reading can happen anywhere there's light, but a solid, uncluttered, comfortable writing space is essential for written work. Keeping tables clear is hard, and it's also essential. If the table is going to be multifunctional, it's going to have to be cleared and cleaned over and over again multiple times a day. Just call it practice. It's like folding laundry on my bed. If that's where I fold it, then I have to take care of it by the end of the day before I crawl under the covers. If we school at the dining room table, then it all has to be put away before dinner. It's a feature, not a bug. It's a bonus, not a con. Even if you have a homeschool space set up, you might find kids still gravitate towards a particular area of the house or particular tables or chairs. 
I always did my schoolwork at the dining room table, even though we had desk space in the basement when I was growing up. If we can offer our kids multiple spaces in which they can do their work, they can settle in and find a place that appeals to them, a small, self-directing, personal choice that gives them a little ownership and individuality in their day. That seemingly insignificant ability to be able to make a choice about how their work is done is actually a huge morale booster. And what homeschool doesn't need a morale boost? What matters is that the work is done and done well. If it's done in the brightly lit center of a doll dining room, the lap desk on the couch, the computer table in the basement, the kitchen bar, or wherever else there happens to be a writing service available, it's done and that's what counts. Adding some variation and option into the equation helps tremendously. Just because they won't be able to change their desk situation in a classroom or change their cubicle location in a corporate setting doesn't mean that they shouldn't have the option in their own home with their own studies. Which is more human, home or cubicle? Which are we preparing them for? Self-directed pursuits or worker bee compliance? Just because they wouldn't have the option in the quote-unquote real world doesn't mean they shouldn't actually have the option in their own actual world. We should strive to be more like the ideal world than the real world, even in such little ways as allowing our kids to read or write in the location that appeals to them most, if they can still produce quality work from their location of choice. Provide the options that your space and living patterns allow. Don't sweat what you don't have. They don't need a schoolroom. They won't languish if there is a schoolroom. They don't need multiple places to work. They won't die if they have only one choice. They don't need to be confined and regulated. Scope out your options. Think outside of the conventions. Be willing to experiment and see if you can't come up with some homey, appealing arrangements that suit your space and your family. Because learning is simply a part of living, it happens all over, and we don't try to contain it. However, the stuff does need to be contained. Everything has to have a home. A schoolroom does provide a go-to home for all the stuff of homeschooling. When there is no such dedicated room, it means we have to be creative with our normal living spaces so they can both house the stuff of our learning days while still also providing... Well, those living spaces, preferably ones that are peaceful and welcoming rather than cluttered and chaotic. These are my three favorite homeschool hacks that give stuff homes and keep our work accessible and portable so that our home doesn't feel overrun with homeschooling. Hack number one, a portable teacher's office. Maybe this counts as a homeschool bin, but my craft tote turned supply tote is prettier than my plastic bins. It's a small craft tote that I bought from Walmart years ago. My intention was to use it as a craft tote, but my projects never really fit neatly into it. It's more for small crafty stuff, really. My yarn projects were always too bulky for the compartments, and my cross-stitch project that's been in progress for over eight years was too small. So the tote just sat on the shelf for a while until I was casting about wondering how to corral some of my school day teacher supplies. I think we are going to do some of our schoolwork in the park, and I wanted something to put my pens and a note card and other small things that wouldn't get lost at the bottom of a bag. I grabbed my empty craft bag, and it's been in heavy use ever since. It's open, so everything is handy. 
It has handles, so it's easy to grab and bring along. It has compartments built in, so things stay organized. In my teacher tote lives my dry erase markers, a small dry erase board, my pens, my clipboard, a lotion bar and lip balm, and any book I want to keep handy, and there's still room to spare to stick in whatever I need to have close at hand. Clipboards. Hack number two, clipboards. I suppose clipboards are just as useful whether you have a schoolroom or not, but because we don't have a specific desk area for each child or that many workbooks, clipboards make our school days smoother. I bought colored plastic clipboards a couple of years ago, so each child has a clipboard in his own signature color. This means I can tell at a glance whose clipboard is sitting on the counter after I've told everyone to put their stuff away. Their clipboards hold their weekly assignment sheet, plus any pages they might need, handwriting, a blank map, math pages, and anything really they're currently working on. So if they're writing an outline, the paper goes on their clipboard. The clipboard also means that they have a writing surface wherever they go. When their math is graded and corrections are marked, I can put it on their clipboard and know that it won't get misplaced. Well, okay, it's much less likely to be misplaced anyway. It's a super handy thing to have everyone use a color-coded clipboard. Hack number three, a covered whiteboard. I think one of the handiest things that I have is a whiteboard that is visible in the room where everyone spends the most time. We have a spot to clearly post reminders and chores and schedules. Consequences can be noted and remembered. Special to-do items posted and an outline of the day made visible to all. It cuts down on questions that I'm asked. It cuts down on decision-making for me, and it keeps us all on the same page. It's actually just a large piece of shower board that my husband bought at the hardware store and mounted on the wall for me. Not only was this cheaper than a large whiteboard, but he cut it to fit exactly the space that we had. However, I didn't want a marked up whiteboard as a permanent part of our home decor. That'd be worse than a timeline. It rather spoils the atmosphere of an evening with friends or a relaxing moment by the fire to have our chores posted on the wall. So, my husband also made me a fabric cover. It's just fabric stretched and stapled over a wood frame. It's easy to pull off and put back on, and it means I can quickly cover up the chaotic jumble of details about our days and pretend that our life is serene and calm. What unconventional uses have you discovered to make homeschooling without a schoolroom work for you? Share in the comments section of this post. Find it at simplyconvivial.com slash audio. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Morning Time Memorization Hacks. The second thing you need to do is gather your memory work review material. What memory work have you already learned? What songs are already a part of your family culture? Start a list. Morning time doesn't have to be long or complicated. We all start where we are and just take the next step. Even if you have no memory work at all under your belt, just start with Psalm 1 and begin building. Whenever we set out to do something, we should know what end we're aiming for, what goal we are attempting, what point we want to make. 
I know when I think of memory work, I'm tempted to envision my five children lined up in a row in perfect unison and cheerful voices reciting an entire psalm. Of course, their shirts would even be clean at the same time. And that just goes to show that this is totally an imaginary scenario. But actually, what I want is for us to be never done with a piece of memory work. What I want is for it to be planted within us, to grow and blossom in its time, for us to grow to love God's word and poetry and beautiful language more and more and more, the more time we spend with it. If we desire to commit to memory whole thoughts, entire passages, whole chapters, we must commit to investing lots and lots of time. This is hard because in the short term, we rarely have anything to really show for it. With a handful of random verses memorized, a child can stand up, recite them perfectly, earn a prize, and then empty his mind so he can learn the next set. Mom gets the moment of performance glory and the child gets some candy. But if we want to learn whole passages, if we want to learn the creeds, the old hymns of the faith and beautiful poetry, we will have to be content postponing seeing the fruits of our investment. It will take years and not weeks, but it's worth it to stick at that review and continue growing those seeds. Download my free guide, Five Steps to Starting Morning Time, for more tutorials like this at simplyconvivial.com audio and choose season eight. Thanks for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes and sign up to get an email whenever a new one comes out. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat. <laughs>